Hey, good day, and welcome back to the Bradley J Driver Experience. You're here for episode 061. That's right, the big 61. And today I've got an absolute pearler for you. Today's guest is a student in the human body. He's an expert in holistic health and mental peak performance, training world-class athletes like Mick Fenning, Ali Day, Jack Freestone, and Alana Blanchard, just to name a few. This man is an absolute expert and it's fair to say we're in very good company. So from your home, your car or wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, give a very warm welcome to the very, very intelligent Mr. Taylor Cecil. How are you, brother? I'm good, brother. I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me on. Very it's pumped for today. Pleasure. It's funny, we connected on Instagram. I was sitting at a sitting at a birthday party actually around a table on a balcony as you do here in Australia and it was um, just a friend's birthday and we started chatting about health and fitness and she was quite into the holistic side of things too. And we were just chatting a few names back and forth and different methods of training. And she said, there's this guy that you got to check out. He'd actually be an insane guest for your podcast. And she flicked your profile my way and we started having a bit of a conversation and I reached out straight away because I love the way you look at health and fitness and I'm definitely a little bit jealous and um, envious of the way that your body moves, but that comes through a lot of hard work and we're going to touch on all that today. But I want to start a little with, tell us about basically who you are, where you're from and where this story began. Yeah, no, thank you for the epic intro, mate. Uh, um, hey, it's yeah, it's worth it. uh, I am uh, yeah, a huge, huge advocate for the the human body and really what we can do with it, um, that including the mind. Uh, you know, I see the mind as encompassing of both how we think, but also from a physical perspective too. So what started this is, you know, me as a, a little tacker being a very ah, competitive little boy, uh, very into all sports. My, my dad used to play for... Uh, the North Sydney Bears for rugby league. So grew up in a household, um, you know, playing playing football and and really inspired to uh, make the most of my body. Um, so the, the journey the journey started there, and it's it emanated into all different sports. I was I was right into everything. Uh, when I reflect back now, I really see that I was. Uh, and am currently really passionate about learning. And that meant that I wanted to dive into all sorts of different sports. I played golf, I did surf lifesaving. Um, I was doing cross country and, and lots of swimming and then bike riding and eventually found my way as a professional triathlete um, from, from the age of 18. Yeah, wow. um, but that was a, a funny, funny time, and, I, and I'll share it. It's a cool, pivotal moment. It's a time that you know I was getting into what it was like to be an endurance athlete with lots and lots of training. And at 18, uh, being in New South Wales, you're also going through uh, Year 12. And during that time, I got really quite sick. And I had complete adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, okay. and that wiped me. It wiped me, right? It, um, it, it left me in bed having to rejuvenate for, for basically six months. And at the time, I was going down um, lots of different routes, but one of the things I did do was, was source a, a mentor and a coach. And her name was Jan Carton. At that time, she was training Mick. She was training Steph Gilmore. And she had a big um, big crew of athletes. And she was a, or she is, a holistic health coach and performance coach. And basically, you know, I'm doing what, what, what she does now. And um, she taught me a lot during that time. I had to really understand the process or the concept of working in, basically rebuilding my energy. Yeah. And that had to come through what I ate. It had to come through how I was thinking. You know, I had lots of beliefs of go hard, go hard, go hard, and just train, just work out, just get things done. But I had very limited belief about rest 
and very limited belief about the things that build your energy because I just wanted to get it done. You just want to keep so, training. So I just wanted to keep training, but my body stopped me and it, it stopped me and it, and it, you know, put me in bed for six months basically. And I had to learn a new way. I had to change my beliefs. I had to change my mindset. I had to change what I action. And, um, that, that period really taught me to do that. And, and very thankful for having a mentor to help guide me through that process. So, you know, during that time was, um, my love for movement, my love for training, my love for exploring my body's potential. But uh, then, from then on, I really added in the mental, the nutritional, understanding sleep, hydration, how to move properly, how to build my energy, how to breathe correctly. All of these other facets that encompass what holistic health is. Can I ask Taylor, one of the things that always fascinates me about health and fitness is you could sit there and do research all day and you just touched on a heap of things that are really vital components of being at your best. And, you know, when we say being at our best, I know there's a lot of people listening who will think, oh, you know, but I don't need to be at my best. I'm not a professional athlete. But still, as a human, you deserve to feel your best. You deserve to perform when you are exercising and training. And just in day-to-day life, when you feel great and you feel charged, it's a good feeling. Talk to me about how hard is it to actually boil that down and find a routine that is manageable with time, but also a routine that you can apply with consistency to sort of make sure that all of those really vital components are being checked off. Mm, Totally. And you've really brought up a cool point when it comes to our potential, because our potential isn't just as an athlete, right? Our potential for anybody listening today is, relative to what what their dream what their goal is you know we can talk about how important holistic health is to be able to reach your potential as a mother we could talk about the holistic health and how important it is to be reaching your potential as a businessman it 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 doesn't matter it's it's all relative to it to each of us as individuals so no matter if you are that athlete no matter if you are that parent that mother or that businessman, whatever you're doing, finding rituals and finding certain pieces that take you towards your potential each day is really critical. It's, it's habits that you want on your, on your team. It's habits that are relative to your core values and then habits that are taking you towards whatever that dream uh, is that, that you may have uh, as an individual. So, yeah, you, you've, you've hit it there that, that finding those things and implementing pieces uh, that take you towards your dream is key. And I like a really cool saying, and it's, you can't manage time, but you can manage your activities. And that means that whilst we get very caught up in how am I going to manage my time today, I find that removing that whole idea is a great place to start and rather go into well, what activities are gonna, am I going to manage today? Are there things that maybe I'm doing that aren't necessarily taking me towards my potential or towards my dream? Because maybe they're things worth checking in on and, and shifting or changing and replacing for a form of exercise or replacing for some meditation or, or whatever it is that you know is gonna help you take you towards your dream. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's a theory that I'm really, really playing with lately is I, I found myself in the habit of the last couple of years, and I think it comes from my former career in real estate. There's this habit of people ask you how you're going and you say, oh yeah, I'm busy, I'm busy. And busy isn't always productive, is it? And it's, it's not necessarily a good thing to be busy. And I've really worked on this year when people ask me that question, how are you? Instead of saying busy, I sort of channel for a second and I go productive. And then I try to apply that and action that to every day. And I sort of boiled my day down and looked at my schedule. And really there were a lot of things that were just time wasting and I wasn't Mm. putting in time in the right areas. I wasn't filling up the right cups to make sure I felt great at the end of the day. And, you know, we spoke a little bit before I hit record on this um, about my running ventures in the last year and how I just had a week layoff. 
And that week layoff for me was a productive work time, but it was a very stressful work time and a very, just I felt agitated every day. I didn't feel myself because I wasn't training. I can see for you and you put up a post, I think just yesterday or the day before that for you getting out in the ocean and getting under a wave is something that's a non-negotiable. Mm. Uh, what are those other little routines that you have within every day of your life that set you up for success? Yeah, it's, uh, for me, it's been a, a refined journey over, over a, a long period of time. Um, my personal, my personal approach is starting the day with, um, you know, from a, from a physical perspective, I'm up, I'm 800 mils of water with lemon. I have a little tea, a little warm tea that is, uh, I place inside, uh, what's called Sheila Jeet. It's one of the most mineralized substances we get on earth. So that, that mineralization wakes up my gut. If I'm waking up my gut, I'm waking up my brain. That's that brain gut connection. Uh, that gets me alert, gets me ready. And then from there I go into uh, a specific sort of meditation. And that meditation is purely about me centering myself. It's about me getting into my zone. I think of it as, and I talk about this with my athletes and, and business people, but it's called an ideal performance state. And an ideal performance state, you can think of as a number between one and 10. One being you're about to fall asleep. 10 being you're so agitated, you're so in your head, you're working out too much. And it's about finding that middle ground, that number that's specific to you where you perform best at. Yeah. So if I... For example, if you were just about to do a running race and you were, it's 15 minutes before the gun goes and you are 10 out of 10 with your performance state. Is that necessarily the correct number or the best number to be at 15 minutes before a race? Well, not really. It's not. You want to be a little bit lower than that. You want to be maybe uh, around a four or a five. Um, but when that gun goes and maybe you want a good start, then you might need to lift that to an eight or nine out of 10. But then once you settle into the pack, you might want to bring that number back down. You settle in, you conserve your energy, and now your performance state's sitting at around a six or a seven. Is this similar to so, the theory of flow state, you think? Is this how long those yeah, lines? Totally. Your flow state would be that, that number that is perfectly relative to that present moment. So flow state for a surfer, for example, it might be that they need to be, they're just about to, you know, bottom turn and pull into this huge barrel, but they need to be incredibly focused, incredibly alert, in tune with their body. And they have that kinesthetic awareness where they know where their body is in space. They might need to be that eight out of 10. If they were a four out of 10, they might've gone over the falls and not given enough energy to the, to the moment. So that, that number, that, is very relative to flow state. Um, so it's about, but flow state's very individualized. It's very relative, okay. right? Some people like to be in a more heightened state and they find flow there. Some people like to find flow really low and really chilled. So for whoever's listening, it's about finding what that is for you, whether you're doing uh, a speech for work or, you know, we, we, would want to be in an ideal performance state right now, you and I, as we speak and we, we, we come up with ideas and we talk about what it is we're talking about. We draw on memories and things like that. We want to be at a, at a, at a specific number. So uh, yeah, it's relative to the exercise that you're doing or the, the, the task that you're stepping into. Uh, and it's also very individualized as well. So the reason I'm talking about this ideal performance state, going back to that morning ritual when I'm going into my meditation is that I'm at a stage now where if I don't do my meditations, my ideal performance state isn't really dialed. I'm not quite in that flow state when it comes to approaching my day, working with clients, uh, coming up with creative ideas or, you know, even speaking with you. So uh, meditation is a, a key point or a key part in all of that. Uh, that, that flows into then um, 
doing a little bit of journaling, doing a little bit of writing in my planner, getting organized, seeing what I've written down in the previous day. What do I have ahead for me today? Uh, getting organized and structured in my mind, going into a morning breakfast, stepping into playing with my kids and um, getting the day ready and then into clients. I like that. It sounds uh, like you've got a very, um, you don't have a stressful morning, a stress induced morning. There's a lot of intent there, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, there is. And, and again, it's all very individualized, but I find if I'm waking up and going straight into work or straight onto my laptop or, or whatever, then I, I'll fizzle out. I'll, I'll get to two or three o'clock and I won't have the sustained energy to be able to continue going how I would want to go. So I start my day a little bit slower like that because that sets me up. It's like, like I said before, if you're going into a, a marathon, let's, let's yep. use the metaphor of a marathon representing your day, then do you want to start that marathon in the first five kilometers doing a 5K PB? Well, you're not going to last. You're not going to last. So how do you set up the right speed at the start of that race that enables you to finish strong? at 42.2 K. Yeah. How do you still finish strong? How do you find that, that, that perfect number for the marathon, which is a metaphor for your day. I really like that. It's a really great way of putting it. When you talk about these clients, obviously there were some big names on that client list. We had a little bit of a chat in the DMS about those clients you're training. I mentioned guys like Mick Fenning, who, you know, if you're in Australia and you don't know who Mick Fenning is, you've probably been living under a rock. Um, people like Alana Blanchard, Jack Freestone, who have incredible profiles and are very well known worldwide. You also mentioned in New Zealand, All Black, I'd be keen if you can share to know who that is. I'm not sure whether you're allowed to or not. Um, but I'd just love to hear a little bit more about how you apply your methods to these people. Is it very individualized? Are there certain things that are structured into each of their routines because you feel like they're a fundamental um, necessity? Yeah, it is very individualized. Uh, I take this approach with my coaching that is 50% science and 50% art. The science is what we need to be doing today. What we need to be doing that's been created as a linear approach to reaching an ideal event or outcome. Uh, the art side of things is very much to do with what I'm tuning into with a client. It's kind of like my intuition. What's, what's happening with this client? Are they walking in energized, ready to go for this hard session? Or are they in such a state that they need to work in? They need to build their energy. There'll be times where you know, I'll, I'll read a client and be like, all right, today's all about the blackboard. We're having a chat. There's things we need to talk about. There's things we need to plan. There's things we need to set. In my mind, the art is what is the best possible thing that we can be doing today, even though my science says that we should be doing this. Okay. So, so it's, it's finding that juggle. And personally, I feel as, as a coach and for other coaches out there, that that's something that you, you find over time, but you know, you need to be studying, understanding both aspects as best as possible. So, yeah, very individualized approach. Could I ask uh, on that quickly, Taylor? Could I interject mm -hmm. there? Could you give us an example of that art sort of phase of the training? Say you've got a client like Mick in, in the studio and you guys are doing a workout that's been set or a, you know, some form of training you've set what would determine that, okay, we need to change this up here and, and move towards that 50% art style of the session? Yeah, so an example session could look like that we are doing what was set out in the program, yep. the very specific strength and conditioning that we're going through. But maybe in between each exercise, I might get Mick on the ground purely focusing on his breathing. Okay. And that way I'm, I'm taking his nervous system to a heightened state, a sympathetic state, training state, 
but then I'm trying to drop it really low and take him into a parasympathetic state in between sets. The reason I might do that is because if I see, if I see a client that is um, not managing the session, then, then they can't get the output that's required. So they need to really tune out to their environment in between each set to be able to get the most out of that next rep or that next set. Yep. If I see someone that is there, um, too much in their heads to maybe there's some stuff going on in their life for that day, yep. then I'll, I'll apply something like that as well. Um, but that's, that's stuff I'm trying to read into. That's stuff I'm trying to observe. Um, because you can be relatable too. You know how much better we feel after we exercise, after we train. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, the, the artistry of it is, um, yeah, it's very, very intuitive. I like that. That's how I describe it. It's a really nice way of looking at it. And, you know, I know, I know how I feel. Sometimes I say to people, for me, I find with eating in particular, if I regiment too much, I just fall off the bandwagon. There's this natural human instinct that we have when we know what food's going into our body makes us feel good on that particular day. You know, if you've set a meal out at lunchtime and all of a sudden you feel a bit full and sluggish and it's a bigger meal, you know, you should probably eat something a little bit smaller. And, you know, I think we've got, we've got great natural instinct as human beings. So I love the way that you incorporate that into your training. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're spot on on the money with that when it comes to food as well. So me as a coach, it's my job. The, what I say to every one of my clients, especially in one of the first sessions is that I am here to help you understand yourself more because the more that you understand yourself, the better choices that you can make that are relative to your dream. I'm, I'm not here for you to rely on me. I'm here to help unlock what potential, what understanding, what, um, what you have inside of you that helps you be the best possible you. So, you know, for example, if a client comes to me with uh, a bulging disc in their lower back, my job is for them to not need me in the future. Now, obviously there's a process that we go through to, to get to that stage where they do need me. But if, if uh, you know, nine, 12 months down the track, they're like, I'm good. Well, then I'm like, okay, job done. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. Now I know you're probably sitting here listening to this episode and wondering how you'll fit any of this into your schedule. And we get it. Life can be a little crazy and stressful sometimes. It's hard balancing work and play let alone making your health and fitness a priority. Now, despite being the best in the game with a wealth of knowledge and experience, even the world's best athletes have coaches to help them achieve their goals. So why don't you? Laurie is the leading lady at the Health Society Co. Her aim is to help you live a healthier and happier life by inspiring you to source and prepare delicious, healthy meals whilst moving your body in a way that feels good. There's no fads, it's just simple whole food and delicious recipes combined with daily movement. For exercise and nutrition coaching, face-to-face or online, head to thehealthsocietycode.com.au and make a move toward a healthier, happier you. Greg and Sharon Flood are the owners of Inspect Wollongong. Their job to provide you with a building and pest report, identifying the good and the bad in each property, and giving you the necessary advice to move forward. Keen property investors themselves, Greg and Sharon love helping anyone who's keen to get into the market. And it all begins with a home that will stand the test of time. Get in touch with Inspect Wollongong via the contact details in the show notes. That's a really great way of looking at it as a professional. And I think, you know, I love the way you say that there because for these clients, it's almost like you're teaching them, aren't you? You're teaching them what they need, those tools they need to look after their body long-term. It's a really healthy relationship to have in business, I think, where you're not just trying to get people back for money or to make money or to create a a healthy business, but you're here to create healthy lives. And I think it's great integrity to have within the health and fitness industry. Yeah, totally, totally. I think we, 
yeah, we all, all need to check in on constantly, and this is doing for myself, but constantly checking in on our intentions. You know, why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I making this choice today? I think that's a, an important thing. How does training differ for you? Obviously, there's going to be specific skill-based stuff and fundamental strength needs and requirements for different sports. But if you've got, say, you know, a, a female client like Alana in, Alana Blanchard, who's a professional surfer, if you don't know who Alana is, and then you've got your New Zealand All Blacks style guy in there, how does that, that flow of your training, the way that you move into a session, how does all of that change and look? Yeah, it's, it's, it's relative to the needs, right? You know, an all black um, requires some solid strength. <laughs> they re require some, um, some solid foundations. A surfer requires the same or similar foundations, but in a, in a different way. Um, so one of the common denominators that uh, I'll find with anybody is how they what they're doing posturally in their sport yeah because what they're doing posturally will determine how how well alana will rotate through her surfing how well mick will rotate in his surfing um you know good posture equals good mechanics good biomechanics equals more optimal performance less injuries so that's always going to be a starting phase to, to any form of program that I create, whether it is for an all black as well. So for, for Tom, it's who, who's um, the all black that I'm working with. We always need to draw back to what he's doing posturally and mechanically, but we're trying to put the pressure on that to a point where he's growing, he's, he's hypertrophying, he's strong, he's stable, and he's got that power drive. Yeah. So there's, there's the common denominator, but then it kind of branches out relative to what your sport is until you become sport specific. So from a linear perspective, I always think we need to mobilize. Well, what do we need to mobilize first? By the way, I'm always assessing these clients. Every start to a program requires a three-hour assessment where I'm finding out all of these needs and all of what's going on within each individual. And from there, I'm looking at, uh, at applying what we need to mobilize, what we might need to lengthen or stretch, what we might need to stabilize, then strengthen, then apply strength endurance to that, and then start applying power and speed uh, to finish with. Amazing. So that's the generalized lin linear approach that I'll, I'll, I'll take with, with any athlete, but of course that looks different relative to what they're doing. You know, I think all great teachers are also great students. They continue to learn as they, as they teach what they're learning to others. For you as a student, being someone who loves the body and loves movement, are there any particular athletes that maybe you work with or you don't, who you look to and, and get some real inspiration on the way they move and the way they train? Oh, okay. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's very much the people that are, they're at the peak of their, of their sport. Yeah. You know, I, um, I loved Michael Phelps as a swimmer. I love Roger Federer as a tennis player. Uh, you know, it, even coaching Mick, you know, I really look up to Mick as well yeah. as, as an athlete and the mindset that he has. Um, Adam Scott as a golfer, as a technician, you know, the, what's, what's required within golf and the subtleties within that sport is really inspiring to break down and work with. Um, so yeah, the, the people at the top of their field, because they also hold the mindset as well and their, their mindset and their focus has a flow on effect as to how they carry themselves physically. And that's what I love. That's the part where it's like your mindset is providing you with a healthy body. Your mindset is providing you with optimal performance and, and closing that gap and that bridge 
uh, that you see these, these top end athletes doing is, is what I love. Let's dive into that there because that's a big part of the training that you provide and the coaching you provide for your clients is that mental peak performance. And, you know, I can imagine that you'd have to be pretty strong in the mind when you're pulling into a 10 foot barrel and you know that if you ain't coming out the other side, it's going to hurt. And, you know, the same thing when you're running into to a big tackle as a New Zealand All Black or whether you're in any professional sport or you're just walking into the office in the morning on a Monday mental peak performance is huge. How do you apply that and how do you teach those methods to your athletes? Because I can imagine there are a million ways. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's lots of different ways to skin the cat. Right. Um, but the common denominator to begin with is what's the dream? What's the fantasy? What do you want? What do you want to experience in this life? And it's about setting that with no shackles attached to it if you could dream, if you could fantasize about what that is, you also might not know how to get there. You don't have the tools, you don't know how to do it, but that's a great thing because therefore it is a dream. That's the the first place to start with. Now, Brad, one of the the other initial things that I go through with with anybody, not just athletes, is this process of helping understand themselves and how we work as human beings. We work in almost a simple way. And I want to try and simplify this as much as possible. So it makes sense. But if we think that we have, you know, what we have is a conscious mind and our our conscious mind is how we think it's our thoughts It can be our internal dialogue, which is what we say to ourselves. Our conscious mind is very influenced, especially in our younger years, by our environment. So that could be our teachers, our peers, our parents. Um, It can be our coaches. It can be a number of different external factors. But that environment will influence how we think and and what we say to ourselves. And how we think and what we say to ourselves, if we create repetition upon that, it embeds itself into our subconscious mind and it embeds as a belief. If I think a certain thought enough, then that repetition will create a wiring of neurons within the brain to solidify as a belief. So if, for example, my parents told me that I'm really good at football and then in my conscious mind, I go, oh, I'm really good at football. And then my internal dialogue is that I'm really good at this. I love this. And if I think that enough, then it it morphs into that belief. Now I believe that I'm a good football player. And whatever we really truly believe is what we will then action. So if I believe that I'm good at football, then my actions are going to be very relative to that, which means that I'll probably be be likely to want to train for it. I'll probably be in the backyard throwing balls at the wall or setting out cones and stepping and asking my dad to come and play and, you know, getting him to tackle me or learning how to break through tackles. That's my actioning part of it. And whatever I action becomes my results. So if I'm training for it, then my results are going to be good. And whatever my results becomes my self-image, how I view myself, how I believe I fit in to this world and what it is that I have to offer. Let's run through that same model, maybe in a more negative sense. Let's just say a younger person is told through by their teachers that they're not very good at maths. So then that kid thinks that they're not good at maths. And their internal dialogue is, I just don't understand this. I don't know how to do it. Everyone else is better than me. And the more repetition they create of that thought, the more that it now embeds as a belief. I suck at maths. And if that's the belief, then the actions are probably maybe in avoidance of doing math homework, in avoidance of going to class in avoidance of 
doing that work. And if they're in avoidance and they're not actioning it, then their results are crap. Their results are no good. And what's their self-image? Well, it's relative to their result. That I'm just a guy who's just no good at maths. Yeah. So this, this whole process is something to really understand. And it's something that I, like I said, take a lot of clients through or a lot of athletes through. Because if we have set the dream, if we've set the goal, and that exists in the universe, in the atmosphere, up there in the cloud, and what that person believes about themselves relative to that dream is what's is what is going to determine whether they achieve it or not. The the thing here, Brad, is that somebody can change their actions. Maybe that little boy can get a tutor for maths and maybe their results go up. But if they haven't worked on their belief about themselves relative to maths, then their results are just going to go back down again. I love that. And the, the, the core thing here is that the belief is is the biggest player in all of this the belief is the is the hugest part uh, another way to think about this i just want to try and attack it from all angles possible no i love it and i really appreciate the breakdown because i think the way that you're breaking this down here makes it very easy to apply or makes those methods easy to apply but like you said it's going to take the action for people to do it so continue to break it down because i love this yeah, so there's, there's a book here in my library and it was written in 1949 by a guy called Maxwell Maltz. And he spoke about the, this concept called cybernetics. Now, a cybernetic feature is, uh, let's use air conditioning for the first example. Just say, I don't hear, but if I had air conditioning in this room and I set it to 25 degrees, then that air con will pump out air conditioning until the temperature drops to 25. Once it's at 25 degrees, the air conditioning will stop and the room will slowly heat back up again. And if it gets to 26, 27 degrees, then that cybernetic feature of the air conditioning will register and go, we need to pump air con again. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So that's the cybernetic feature of air conditioning. Another example can be uh, the autopilot feature on a plane. Let's just say we're going from Sydney to Hawaii and the pilots have set that route. They've set that, those coordinates and it's time for them to have a little rest, maybe eat some lunch, have a little nap, whatever they need to do. At that time, they'll set the autopilot and that autopilot's been directed to Hawaii so they can trust in that but let's just say a little bit of weather takes that plane off track and now that plane's starting to head towards shanghai and the autopilot feature will kick in and go we're off track the cybernetic feature will kick in and it will reroute that plane back to hawaii again so this concept of cybernetics i want you now for whoever's listening to think about how humans have a cybernetic feature and it's called psycho-cybernetics. And that means that it's the example I gave of the kid doing maths. It's you could maybe, if you have the belief of not being good at maths and let's just say you started to do well at it, then your psycho-cybernetics, your internal feature, will reroute you back to what you believe. So if you've been doing well, that's, if you've been doing well, that's Shanghai. It's not Hawaii. It's not where you've been routed to. So you might go into self-sabotage and take yourself back to Hawaii, which is, in this instance, is not doing good at maths. So our our psycho-cybernetic features will always route to what we believe. So if I believe I can't, if I believe I can't do something, then most likely I won't be able to because it's what I believe. It's where my cybernetic features routed to. If I believe I can do something, then most likely I'll be able to do it because that's where I'm routed to. It's all positive, negative, however you want to view it. 
um, working on our beliefs, working on where we pinpoint our destination is the most powerful thing that an athlete can do, a businessman, a mother, a father, you know, a single person, you know, a runner, whatever it is. It's, it's incredibly important to, I believe, understand this concept. I love that. And I think it's just such a fascinating way of looking at it. I've never heard of that before, psycho-cybernetics. Um, but it makes so much sense because you see, you know, in, in potentially someone who is struggling with drugs or alcohol, if they believe that they are an alcoholic and they are trying to get sober, you often see that relapse. And it's something that mentally is, you know, in their belief system that they're fighting. You see it with anyone, someone who starts a new, new diet or nutritional principle who falls back on the same old bad habits because oh, well, I'll just never be fit. That's not me. It's a really fascinating way of breaking it down and putting it. I'm actually going to do a bit more research on that because I love just working with my mind. And it's been for me, something I've really worked on in the past 12 or 18 months is being really self-aware and understanding whether I'm setting myself up for success or failure. So I'm really interested to hear you spoke about programming that destination. Let's push your athletes to the side for the moment. And let's talk Taylor Cecil. What's your destination? What are you programming at the moment? What I'm programming at the moment is my ability to be emotionally intelligent and stable and strong-willed in all different things that I've set out within my life. So how, how do I perform as a parent? How do I perform with new business ventures? How do I perform within my own training and, and physicality? I've got little destinations in, in each of those, but it's what I'm, what the strongest destination is, is my own, my own personal power, my own, uh, healthy self-esteem, my own ability to approach things coming more from this, from, from the heart, compared to approaching things too much from the ego or from the head. So my, my and I wouldn't call it, I know we use the metaphor of the destination, but this isn't something that is a destination. Paradoxically, it's something I'm... Uh, in a continual uncovering process of. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's not something that's outside of me. It's something that is inside of me. It's just a, an uncovering, uh, a continual and never ending infinite uncovering process that I am on with that. Isn't that just life so, to a T though? Totally, totally. You know, we can't get too, caught up in the destinations and the I'll be happy when we need to have that infinite approach to life. And what I mean by that is how can we be present, constantly present whilst we're working towards those goals? How can I be in a state of gratitude, love, happiness, and joy whilst I'm on the way to having an experience that I've creatively set out as a destination? That running both of those things in parallel is what I believe success is. Talk to me about your growth as an individual in these, in these last years. How old are you, Taylor, if you don't mind me asking? I am 31 this year. Exciting. Big birthdays. Yep. You're in the, in the threes now, mate. It's, That's um, it's exactly right. It always fascinates me, like personal growth. And I like to, you know, if I look back on every year, I've done a little experiment coming into New Year's Eve, I really reflected on 2020 and, and what was a crazy year for most, crazy year for all of us really, was actually the best year of my life. And I felt like I had a lot of growth personally, internally and externally within the world that I live in and the things that I'm doing. And something I was able to sit down and reflect on with, with a real smile on my face with some real pride. And it made me think about the years past and I actually scrolled through my Instagram and I put up something on the, the 31st of December every year and every one of them said, best year of my life. And I thought, 
you know, am I saying that because it sounds good or am I saying that because, you know, I felt it was genuine. I felt that every year it come from a good place. But personally, I feel like 2020, there was something special about it where there was a real element of in, like internal growth. And I look at this year and I've set out some great goals for this year and I've set out some behaviours I feel I need to change to make sure that they happen. And one thing I'm really, really struggling with on a weekly basis and even a daily basis is something that you touched on just before, that I guess that essence of being present, being present in the moment. And I find because my work as, as a self-employed podcast host, which is a weird job to explain to people, is predominantly done through you know connecting with people like yourself over Instagram and social media and connecting with people all the time and searching for the next guest filming an episode releasing that episode promoting it that I find myself on my phone quite a bit but I find myself on my phone in times I shouldn't be and it's like it's become almost a habit that I'm always checking my DMs to see who's gotten back about coming on the pod I'm always checking my notifications to make sure that I'm connecting with the people who appreciate and show support to the show. So I've tried to make habits lately of putting my phone away and putting technology away. And I'm really interested to hear as someone who really tackles health holistically and loves to be out in nature, as do I, do you find it hard to disconnect from these things that are tools within today's society? Yeah, totally. Totally. You know, it's, you mentioned it, that it is, it is a way to connect. It is a way to get stuff done, right? It's a, it's a way to action a lot of things. Um, but it is important to be very self-aware when, when within that, because yeah, it can be easy to go through the scroll or to get caught up or lost in a, in a vortex or, or something like that. So, Having that, that self-awareness is, is a key part. And what I feel is also very important is to plan. Um, one of the ways I work with it is by having a set time where I do get back to those things or where I do get back to emails or that set time of being able to check what's going on and, and where I'm at or, or posting or whatever. And outside of that time are the other tasks that are progressing me forward to, to what I want. So I feel like putting the time aside and, and really developing that strength, that backbone to stay true to those times that you've planned, that you've set out. And sometimes that takes some time to begin with, you know, figuring out, well, maybe I gave too little a time or too much. And, you know, we, we find that as we go, but, um, yeah, technology is is important to have breaks from yeah, and to sure. tap back into nature and, and do those things is really key. So, yeah, you've got to find the balance. We all have to find the balance. Hard to find, myself. isn't it? Yeah, it can be, totally. Talk to me quickly. I'm going to let you go in a minute because I know you've got a busy day. I want to touch on some of the training you're doing yourself at the moment and not too specifically, but what are those little things that you love to be out doing? I know you surf. I've, I think I've seen you playing around with a little bit of jujitsu as well. Talk to me about all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I'm still, still running a little bit, um, surfing a lot, you know, I love, love surfing. It's definitely a recharge for me. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it there too. I'm, I'm right into my jujitsu at the moment. Um, and I just love the, I mentioned the art and science thing in coaching. Yeah. Well, there's also the art and science when it comes to sport too. And uh, jujitsu provides that for me. It fulfills, it's a, it ticks all of the, the core value boxes when it comes to learning, it comes to growing, it comes to physicality, mentality, mentality, um, so yeah, that's something I've really fallen in love with over the past couple of years is jujitsu. Is there much of a culture around that up there on the Gold Coast? Because I know it's there is extreme, like where I am here in Wollongong, I feel like every second person you speak to is now doing jujitsu. It's very popular. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. There's definitely a culture up here and it's a really cool one. Like specifically here in Kulangata, there's the, the surf jujitsu 
type of culture yeah. where people who um, who are loving surfing also love jujitsu and, and vice versa. Um, so flow martial arts where I go in Kulin Yadda has done really well. You know, hats off to Paulo, the owner. He's done really well in creating a culture that is, oh, it's also non-egoic. You can't walk into a jujitsu gym with a big ego because people sniff that out. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a humble experience. It's a, an infinite journey. You know, it doesn't hold the finite journey of just becoming a black belt. And that's once you become a black belt, you, you don't do it anymore. That's not, you know, that's not the thing. It's about the continual evolution, whether that's um, within how you map things, how you can approach, you know, your, your speed at which you approach something that you can see as a form of attack or, or defense. So yeah, it ticks a lot of boxes for me. Um, but you know, as well as that, I'm always in the gym and um, very much taking that, that postural approach because surfing is very one-sided. Jiu-Jitsu yeah. will always have a dominant side. So my gym is uh, constantly rebalancing myself, bringing myself back to alignment. That's really cool to hear. I love the concept. I love it's, it's almost, it's very Hawaiian, isn't it? The way you train, you see a lot of those guys in Hawaii, whether they're pro MMA fighters love to surf or vice versa. Like you said, the surfers love to be in mixing it on the mats and moving around. It's, it's really cool to see. And it's great to see you buzzing, smiling. It looks like you're in a great place in life. And I'm just blessed that we could have you on the pod to talk, to share some of your knowledge and to make sure that, you know, for me, I learned heaps here today, especially around that mental peak performance stuff that I want to dive into and learn a little bit more about not just the science of it, but like you said, the art of it and understanding how to apply it to your life. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, legend. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I uh, loved our time together. So um, very grateful. So for everyone for listening here, where can they find you? Where's the easiest place to find you on socials or your website? Yeah. So on socials, Instagrams where I, sort of give most energy to that's uh taylor cecil t-a-y-l-o-r-c-e-c-i-l and then uh my website is www.taylorcecil.com.au gives a, a little bit of insight as to uh how i work as a coach and um what services that i provide and things like that as well mate if i'm ever up on the goldie we might have to go for a run and jump in the ocean sounds dreamy sounds awesome mate let's do it, it. thanks so much mate Appreciate it. Thank you, legend.